This is the Cognitive History Podcast, where we explain historical events in order to understand their importance. The less heard of, the better. Without further ado, let's get into exploring the obscure. Welcome back, everyone. Um, we've had a wee bit of a longer break this time. By that, um, overdone by about a month. It's been about a month and two weeks, I think. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, um, as always, I am your host, Kevin, and with me is my co-host, Logan. What's up? Uh, Logan, how have you been in the roughly month and a half since we last recorded? Uh, quarantined, negative testing. It's, well, it's that's, been a fun, fun month. That's good. Um, I also yeah. had to get a COVID test a little while ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, I basically had a cold, but because you know in the military working on a military base if i'm sick me my view personally is that i need to go to the hospital to make sure like see what it is see if i'm going to infect anyone because like yeah one person out from work sucks but what sucks even more is like everyone being out because we're all sick oh yeah i bet yeah and plus um the potential that any sickness in which one has a sore throat could be COVID. Um, yeah, I wasn't keen on the possibility of spreading that to my coworkers. No, that's probably for the best. Yeah. Um, God, sorry. I'm, I'm so confused. So, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the website that we record this on has like my name and then Logan's name. And then it has like the sound waves from uh, our recording. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, for whatever reason, mine is going way faster than Logan's. Is it doing that again? Really? Uh, yeah. So also it oh. did this. This is our second time recording this episode. And, um, it did this the last time. I don't know if this is actually going to affect the uh, recording in the end, but uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, it's just more work for me if it does. Although if it does, we might just have to re-record again. Anyway. Uh... Yeah. So, um, as far as today's topic goes, though, um, we we worked through a few things. So, initially, 
I wanted to um, do another episode with Andre on. Mm-hmm. Talking about a topic that I'm not going to discuss because I still want to talk about it. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah. But we kind of can't have... I, I discussed this before. It seems kind of disingenuous to just have two white guys talking about something that is at heart a black American issue. So yeah. Yeah. with Andre unable to record for the time, I wanted to do something different. And when we we're going to record this initially. Um, it was kind of sudden that he couldn't be involved. So I had to do a lot of uh, thinking throughout that day because it was literally like the night before that he told me. So <laughs> yeah, not, not really allowing for much time, but I understand sometimes messages don't really uh, get received when they're sent. Yeah. So I ended up coming to the conclusion initially of, Oh, well let's just talk about like historical inaccuracies. Cause I mean, for one, that is a very interesting topic. And two, there's a lot that can be talked about with that. Oh, there's so much, but that requires a lot of research. So as always, we fall back on Kevin's favorite subject and Japan. place and culture. Japan. So the, the, <laughs> the, the reasoning we're falling back on that is because the thing that initially wanted me to, or made me want to uh, talk about historical inaccuracies is this really stupid meme that I see come up on Facebook every so often. And again, I did I mention that I hate it? Um, mm-hmm. So what the meme is, it's some stupid picture of Americans holding guns and it's just like, Oh, okay, cool. But the text is like, uh, did you know that Japan had the ability and capability to attack the U S mainland, but they didn't because, uh, they knew they would have then had to fight the single largest civilian fighting force who were armed with guns in the world. And, and, oh my God, I can't... People complain about, like, revisionist history, right? That is absolutely revisionist history. Oh, yeah. Um, Because what everybody doesn't know is Japan actually landed on the moon. The American moon landing was faked, though. Stop. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) This is the same kind of nonsense. Yeah. Um, So. 
I could go over just the reasoning as to why that's wrong, but instead I would prefer to go into like the full history of leading into why that's wrong. Oh, full history is a bit of a misnomer. It I am going to be glossing over a lot. Um only because I would actually like to talk at length about this subject in the future. I just kind of want to go into why this particular thing is wrong. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of misconceptions about Japan during World War II. There's also a famous quote that was never said uh oh. the is whole it, quote, is it the... it's the sleeping giant quote the sleeping giant yeah from isoroku yamamoto mm. there's no proof that he said that where so... where they get that quote from is um they wanted to put a nice quote in to the movie Tora Tora Tora. And one of the people that was involved with making the movie was just like, oh yeah, no, he said this like in a letter to someone. When when you say that and then the letter can't be produced, it's clear that it's fake. Like no yeah. one remem no one remembers that letter. They can't find that letter. I'm just mad that we can't blame Michael Bay for this. As much as I would like to blame Michael Bay for a lot of what's wrong with the world, we can't. Not no. in this case. You get off this time. We're coming for you next episode, though. Mm hmm. Watch out, Bay. <laughs> Michael Bay in the fall of Cuba Gooding Jr.'s career. Oh, God. I wouldn't say that's the movie that killed Cuba Gooding Jr.'s career. No. What was the other one? Snow Dogs? Uh, Snow Dogs is actually his best movie of 2002. <laughs> um, God, what was it? Love Boat or something like that? Anything named Love Boat would do it, I mean, yeah. He fakes being gay to be able to go on a cruise. Oh. Like he yeah, signs up I for a Yeah, he signs up for a crew or a cruise and then he uh finds out that it's a cruise for like gay couples counseling. <laughs> but he doesn't know that. He's alone on the cruise, but um so he didn't know that at first. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, um, if he comes out as being straight, then he'll be kicked off the boat. So he fakes being gay. It's it's a very 2000s movie. Well, a straight guy and a gay couple would probably need a lot of counseling. Jesus. <laughs> anyway. Um, it's very late for me, so you'll have to forgive this, and very early for Kevin. Yeah, expect a lot of potentially unrelated segues 
which oh, yeah. is nothing new for this show, but no, it does need to be stated. Be prepared. This is the further ado that our intro was supposed to be talking about us being without, but we know that ain't why you listen. Yup. Anyways. So, <laughs> yeah, in, in order to really explain the state of Japan at the beginning of World War II, you kind of do have to go back all the way to the Meiji Revolution or Restoration, whichever term you want to go with. It's kind of like everyone's favorite talking point in Japanese history. It's it's either the Meiji Revolution or the um, Sengoku Jidai. It's a big event. Yeah. So, going back a tiny bit before the Meiji Restoration, because um, we're explaining with this also Japan's rising militarism. Mm-hmm. Because that plays a lot into why Pearl Harbor happened. Because that's the main point, is we want to get into why Pearl Harbor happened and why Japan didn't attack the U.S. mainland, right? Mm. So... Which I always thought was because they were attacking a military base on foreign soil. So it was like a very directed attack. You know? Yeah, we'll get into like, that in they, a bit. They tried really hard to avoid civilian casualties and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. But we will get into that in a bit. So... Uh, yeah, we, we kind of have to go into the Tokugawa period because the Tokugawa period, one of its unintended hallmarks mm. was the weakening of the warrior class, the samurai. Which is ironic considering... A shogunate is a military government. So basically, uh, samurai were prevented from working outside of their class. So, you know, you're a warrior. You have to stay working as a warrior. Mm-hmm. And the way in which samurai were paid was a stipend that was determined by how much rice their land could produce. Why don't they just sell the rice, you ask? Uh, didn't work that way. They weren't the ones who actually, like... So, it's really weird. I talk about a tiny bit in our first episode... Or was it the second episode? I think it was the second. 
I think it uh, was the second. Yeah, about uh, the history of Christianity in Japan. I talk about it a bit there, but... Um, yeah, we talked about uh, their wealth being related to the estimation of producible rice, not necessarily the rice produced. Exactly. Uh, the rice produced was for the peasants or farmers. So, like, imagine you have a factory and the factory workers are making dolls. The factory workers are able to sell the dolls, but you instead are only given a stipend depending on how many dolls your factory can produce. Mm. That's what it is. So the peasants were able to get their own wealth by actually selling their crops. Merchants were able to then sell those crops on the market. The other class of artisans, um, in a time without war, art becomes very popular. So mm. the artisans were able to sell more and more of their work. And basically, everybody except the samurai were able to accrue wealth. And because of that lack of wealth and the fact that like try everyone was trying to keep up with the joneses mm. you had samurai who were living in abject poverty damn and So that that's very counterintuitive to the structure of the society at the time. Oh, very much so. The the samurai were literally the ruling class. But they're also the poorest class. Yes. Overall, I mean, I'm sure there's Oh yeah, there's you definitely have you definitely have your like more wealthy samurai, but I would say by and large a lot of them are starting to struggle to make mm. ends meet. Which also kind of reminds me of your favorite thing to hate about Roman history. Oh. Pax Romana. Oh yeah. Um I mean and this <laughs> is a this is a bit like the Pax Romana, although to to some degree I'm kind of glad the Roman Empire fell because Latin is a an abysmal language. I love Latin. I hate it's Latin so, so confusing. much. I hate it so much. What they, do you hate most about it? The pronunciation or the four genders? Um, <laughs> the the five thousand different cases. Oh yeah, not when I have to sing a song to remember which tense or which case a word ending comes from, and mm -hmm. some of those word endings like are available for different cases and tenses. Anyway, getting far <laughs> off the point. So uh, for those who aren't familiar, the Pax Romana is literally the Roman piece. And it was after Augustus Caesar took power 
there was no fighting throughout the uh, empire. No fighting, which is kind of a lie, but basically. Um, I mean, unless you were like trying to become emperor or trying yeah. to maintain being emperor. Yeah, there, there was a lack of war, but yeah, that, that weakened the Roman military, which potentially led to their downfall. Um, and the so Roman military being like the most important aspect of Roman life. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the Tokugawa era is pretty much that. But in Japan. And so like on two fronts, you have the warrior class being weakened. They're poor. They're not able to practice, you know, their craft, which is fighting and killing. Mm. So. Yeah. When. Commodore Matthew Perry decides to come into the mix. The black ships. Yep. Um, yeah, when when he comes into the mix and forces Japan into trade with the U.S., Russia, and Great Britain, because it wasn't the mm. U.K. at the time, it was Great Britain. Um, when he does that, or so, he comes in, says, hey, we want to trade with you. We'll give you a year. And yeah, we'll, we'll come back in a year and we'll see what choice you've made. If not, mm -hmm. we're going to open fire. So the shogunal government realized like, yeah, we can't really do anything here. So we kind of have to uh, let this one happen. And yeah, because when you uh, cut your civilization off from the rest of the world, you generally tend to fall behind as far as scientific advancements and yeah. Un unintended uh, side effect of the Sakoku was um, Japan lagging behind the rest of the world in terms of technology. But, yeah, so Japan had to uh, accept the fact that they were going to be forced into trade with the rest of the world so Japan took it upon itself to modernize and they did that with a lot of help from outside sources. Um, they, they literally sent delegation to other countries to find like experts in different fields, hire them and have them basically overseeing the majority of restructuring the country. And this is where the Meiji Restoration kicks in. Mm -hmm. 
so the the Meiji Restoration at heart is just Japan modernizing itself. They, but with that, they're literally restructuring everything, and so because of that, um, we we see the Boshin War happen. Mm. So the Boshin War, or the Boshin Senso, which has the coolest name of any war. <laughs> so Boshin Senso literally translates to War of the Year of the Young Earth Dragon, which is awesome. So did that only last a year? Yes. Wow. Well, a little over a year. Um, January 1868 to June 1869. Oh. That's, that's a lot of culture shift in one year. Oh, yeah. So, basically, to, to summarize why the Boshin War happened... Uh, you had a lot of prefectures who were not very um, fond of the new shogun, Tokugawa Yoshinobu. They viewed him as being weak, and they wanted a stronger government. So samurai from Satsuma, Choshu, and Tosa domains, that's the word, domain, um so they they started a rebellion basically uh they wanted the emperor restored to power and japan to be reunited under a strong leader so yoshinobu resigned as shogun to meet the demands of these three domains mm. and that put the meiji emperor back in full power of the government not everybody was too happy with that though and so a war started between the shogunate and the imperial court and with the imperial court you have a lot of daimyo and a lot of samurai from various domains uniting in order to restore the uh, imperial court kind of like a war of the roses kind of vibe yeah it's it's not really a civil war because the country didn't really like split hard, mm. but it can be likened to a civil war in a way. I would say it's more like the war of the roses because both of these parties already were in power. Mm -hmm. It's not really a, change in the types of authority it's more just 
who wields it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a war over a power shift, not a war over a true governmental shift. Yeah. But anyway, um so in a modern context after this shift well, after the shift, was there still a shogun? No. So that title is gone completely. Absolutely. Until you produce a prime minister. Uh, I wouldn't really say a shogun is... Uh, well, to some degree, I guess they are similar. But... In comparison to the power of the emperor... Yeah, in terms of, like, governmental control, a prime minister is sort of like a shogun in today's world, I guess. Just less militaristic. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a... Yeah, no, it's it's so hard to equate because... It's like translating n- kami. Yeah. <laughs> I've... I'm sure that sound just happened, but um, <laughs> my my pen cap just kind of went flying. It's I have no idea escape. what it is. Uh, so that's a really weird, awkward segue. <laughs> Something always happens. There's that time I dropped my phone. Now I've lost the end point of a pen the anyway stove fan what the stove fan oh yeah that's that also was the thing that happened yeah we have some very interesting background noises we we like to keep it fresh on this show what's it gonna be next time (laughs) so where was i um meiji restoration yes Culture so shock. so obviously the imperial court wins and the emperor who had already been restored to power gets to retain his power thanks in no small, small part to Hitokiri Batasai oh god stop people are going <laughs> to think that's Ruroni Kenshin is not real it never happened it's loosely based on true events with loosely based on real people people incredibly loosely oh yeah i i I would say the only thing that's based on true events is the fact that the meiji restoration happened (laughs) and um there was this one random samurai who had a sword style that no one else used apparently well there's also the uh head of the police force he was real okay fair point (laughs) As far as I know, Makoto Shishio was not. He he wasn't. <laughs> but this is not an anime podcast. So, yeah, following the restoration of the Meiji Emperor to power, they uh, they decided they were going to revamp the government entirely. 
and that's how we end up with a, a prime minister and the Japanese diet, which functions very close to um, parliament. Uh, it It's close to British parliament, but I think it was actually modeled after German parliament. Interesting. It's either Germany or Austria. Regardless. So the Germanics were very involved in the restructuring of Japan. Only in terms of a model for which Japan to base its new government off of. Which you kind of see with a lot of the things here. Well, it's good they didn't try to model it after the government of Germany 80 years later. Yeah. So, with that, and with Japan still reaching out to other countries and employing delegates to help them get all of this new technology, uh, you also have construction of several arsenals throughout Japan. Uh, first and foremost being the Yokosuka Arsenal, which is where I work. Um, the Yokosuka Arsenal eventually became Yokosuka Naval Base. But the main point is these arsenals would produce warships and other things like that so with this you also see the modernization of japan's military they got guns now yup and consequence of modernizing of a country they saw what the Western powers were doing, i.e. imperialism and colonization. Which I know I always say is the song and dance of the 20th century, but it had to cascade into that century from somewhere, right? Oh, yeah. So the the 1800s, or the 19th century, whichever you will, is where you see imperialism and colonialism really starting. Well, I would say, say starting would say it's to like before decline. That yeah, that's also a fair point. I mean, it could be argued that the whole colonization and imperialism thing has been going since ancient Greece. You could say that, although Greek and Roman colonies were very different. Yeah. Like, even just in terms of their autonomy, they were very different. That's you, true. You literally had colonies of colonies <laughs> in that time. <laughs> yeah, you did. And but, they didn't do much uh, culture erasure either. Right. Especially not the Romans. 
No, and the Greeks, especially the Macedonian colonies, didn't. Yeah. So, basically, Japan sees what Western powers are doing, and it's just like, oh, hey, what if we did that? And so they went about to do that. (laughs) And so the first place they colonized, um, any guesses? Korea. You could have been right, but you were wrong. Taiwan, also known as Formosa. Formosa. Calling back to episode three. So, yeah, the first place they colonize is Taiwan because it's kind of right there and um, kind of small. Yeah. So this... um, Oh, go ahead. Was it kind of also part of China at that point? No. Or is that just according to the Chinese? Uh, it's right now, according to the Chinese, a part of China. Hello. On this episode, we get canceled in China. I'm sure that's happened already. Probably. Xi Jinping no likey me. I no likey him. Oh, Jesus. If he's going to take us over, he's going to take us over. and I'm never learning that alphabet. I wouldn't really call it an alphabet. At any rate, so this era is kind of proving that uh, Japan has the military might to stand on some even ground with the Western world. Mm Mm-hmm. Like they're they are able to colonize areas that Western powers were either avoiding or not wanting to colonize. Not stepping I, on any toes. I.e. Formosa. So basically what we see here is the rising of the new warrior class, which is the military. And the military eventually becomes the ruling faction in Japan. So you've successfully traded shoguns and samurai for an army and prime minister. Yeah. Yeah, you have shogun and samurai 2.0. Mm-hmm. And this time they're more organized, which is terrifying. And more well-armed. Yep. So, Japan would kind of prove that it was worthy of playing on the world stage during this fun, fun little war called the Russo-Japanese War. I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a thing. So, background information for this (laughs) war. Um, before that you had the first Sino-Japanese War which was fought between Japan and China 
hence the name. Sometimes wars don't get creatively named. No. It's unfortunate, but it's a fact of life we have to deal with. So, at the end of the Sino-Japanese War, Japan essentially annexed a chunk of Korea. Not South Korea, not North Korea, Korea. Fun fact, they used to be one country. That was when their leaders did have booty holes. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Anyway. I'm just going after all the... um, All the dictators? Southeast Asian dictators. So... Yeah, the Dutch a break. Jesus Christ. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine how short our episodes would be if we didn't BS like this. Oh, no. There's probably like maybe 15 minutes of usable content every episode. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) At any rate. Hmm. After Japan annexes a portion of Korea, they want the rest of Korea, but they're not going to go after it right now. And then Russia decides they wanted to build a railroad through the area that Japan wanted. So now we got to find out who wins, samurai or Vikings? Are Russians Vikings? (laughs) Well, they used to be. Okay. The Rus'. Oh, true. The Russians lose hard. Mm. Like, they lose real bad. Like, their entire navy is decimated by the Japanese navy. Wow. Yep. So, guess they shouldn't have built that railroad. No, no, no. Especially because Japan winning the war means... They get the land on which that railroad was built. I can't remember how long this railroad was active. I know it was not very long. Is that the only time the Russians have lost? I mean, you could say they lost in World War One because they withdrew. Yeah. They also I'm like when, but when somebody picks themselves. a fight with Russia. Like Napoleon picking a fight with Russia. Didn't go too well. Well, the problem with that is the fact that they picked a fight inside Russia. Yeah. Hitler too. Yep. But, so, I mentioned before this is Japan proving its um, military might. Them defeating a Western power is absolutely proving japan's might so because of this you kind of have a rallying call around some semblance of a national identity for japan because they didn't really feel united as a people it was always like oh well i'm from satsuma domain i'm not japanese i'm from satsuma Mm -hmm. this because it's it's the first time 
like something like this has happened. Like, sure, Russia might be the weakest of the Western powers and technically the easiest to defeat, but there's still a Western power and they were still defeated. So because yeah. of this, you uh, you start seeing the military fully becoming the ruling class again. And you start seeing more nationalism, which is fun because nationalism is always great. Always. Always. So, yeah. Uh, Japan is able to annex Korea entirely. Uh, I think they end up making it into a colony either five or ten years later. Mm. It's five years later. Um, which leads to a lot of stuff that I'm not going to discuss here. I would be fine with describing the plight of the Korean people under Japanese colonialism at a later time. Now is not that time. Well, we got at least one really good thing out of it. Oh. Miyavi. Yeah, true. Okay, for those who don't know, Miyavi's a Japanese musician. He's half Korean, half Japanese. His family was... uh, what they call Zainichi, which um, I'm not sure if is if it's a racial slur or not. So I apologize if it is. Um, basically, that means like Koreans who were born in Japan after being brought to Japan from Korea. If you, if that makes any sense. Anyway, yeah. so. Yeah, the the victory over Russia emboldens Japan and Japan's military, and they they keep going about creating their empire. And I don't know how to get to this. Basically, they keep doing what they're doing for the next while. And they start the Second Sino-Japanese War, which, uh, fun fact, is actually the start of World War II, when you really, like, go into things. Oh, really? I mean, it's... So, America kind of has this thing with having, like, an Amero-Eurocentric view of history, right? And... I'm yeah. not saying that's I'm not saying that's necessarily a problem. It's just a thing that happens. It happens with every other country. So before anyone comes to attack me, I'm not critiquing America's worldview. I'm just saying like this that's is where a we thing. were taught. Yeah. Th- this is a thing that exists. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because you don't really you always hear about the European side of World War II before you hear about the Japanese side of World War II, which is really weird considering it's Japan that got the U.S. into World War II. Mm-hmm. But, but you also have all of the atrocities that the Nazi party committed. 
true, which is not to detract from the fact that Japan committed a lot of atrocities as well. A lot of those got yeah, brushed under yeah. the rug. And I'm not going to try and to defend those. They had a great distraction from the other side of the world. Yeah. So... Basically, Japan has an empire. And they don't have too many natural resources because island chain. Mm-hmm. Mountain. And that's basically all of what Japan is, is mountains. But... So they need resources from elsewhere. So they start looking at other places where they could go to expand their empire. And their eyes come to a few places, one of which is the Philippines. Mm. Uh, Logan, do you know who controlled the Philippines from the turn of the 20th century mm. until... Uh, about 1942-ish. I, I feel like this isn't the first time I've been asked this question. It definitely isn't, and you should remember, but it's okay but I if don't, you don't. I, I don't I blame you. Don't. No. I don't blame you for not remembering. Was it um, us? It was us. It was us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Philippines have kind of been handed around to a few different powers. Mm-hmm. Y- you've got Spain, then the U.S., then Japan for a short bit, then the U.S. Which is what we're again. talking about now, right? Is yes. Japan for a short bit? Yeah. Yes. So. Now they're Rodrigo Duterte's. Yup. No comment. Nope. <laughs> so. Yeah, J- Japan. They need oil, mainly. They need oil. And uh, the U.S. doesn't help with that because they create a trade embargo with Japan, as well as freezing um, trade assets of private Japanese citizens. Yeah, I know we sent those black ships to open y'all up, but we're going to need y'all to shut down again. Yeah. And, you know... I'm not trying to defend anything that happens next, but I imagine I would be a little pissed off if a country did that to me. Oh, yeah, it's definitely all, it's all perspective. Yes. Right here. So, Japan needing oil, seeing Mm. where oil is knowing who controls where that oil is, they decide to go on a small bit of an offensive. Because they need oil. And they need a distraction so that they can invade the Philippines and take over there and get the oil there. Mm-hmm. So, do you know where the nearest fleet was from the U.S.? to Japan or the Philippines? Uh, I'm going to guess not the Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) It was not the Atlantic Ocean. 
It may have been a small kingdom which was not yet a state. Yeah, I mean, it, they, it wasn't a kingdom at this point, really. It was a territory. Oh, yeah, that's right. But it was a place that used to be a kingdom. Yeah, this is after King Kamehameha. Yep, well, way after. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of another anime. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, for those who can't read the writing that we've clearly painted in red with yellow highlighter. Um, oh, yeah. It, it's, um, it's Hawaii. It's Oahu, yeah. Hawaii, and specifically the base of Pearl Harbor, along with several other targets. But this one is the main one. Mm hmm. So, so 80 years last week. Yes. Which I did not plan out, honestly. Although, no. yeah, uh, which is also 10 years last week of me being in the Navy. Fun. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I know you didn't plan that one. I did not. I can't it, believe it's been 10 years. Yeah. Since I was so, driving you up to the Ingalls Shopping Center. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway. So, so yeah. We, we finally have arrived at the um, main crux of today. Japan did not have the capability to attack the U.S., because no. they needed the oil. They had the capability of attacking a U.S. military base, which was located in the middle of the ocean, much closer to the Japanese homeland mm -hmm. than the U.S. was. They also attacked several other targets on this day, but the main focal point has always been Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Don't trust y'all's maps. Hawaii is nowhere near Alaska. What? You, you've you seen the maps? The maps of the United States where they put Hawaii up at the top with Alaska in a box? I, ha I hate you so much right now. <laughs> I hate you so much. Like I feel like a major portion of this conspiracy theory comes from the fact that people don't realize how far out in the ocean Hawaii is from the mainland. I mean, there is the potential for that, but there's also just the... And Australia doesn't exist. That that whole kind of thing, you know. So I don't I don't know if I would call like because this is resulting from like just a stupid meme I saw, right? Mm. I don't know if I would per se call it a conspiracy theory. I would call it historical revisionism, though. Yeah. Under the guise of geographical revisionism. Uh. I don't know if I would say it's patriotism or nationalism. I would say like, because in the U.S. we have this new wave of nationalism, right? Mm -hmm. So I would kind of say it's in line with that new wave of nationalism. And 80 years separation from events combined with mythology based around it. Right. Because, I mean, the the whole thing of it isn't to try and give people a history lesson. It's 
to try and be like, oh, yeah, America, we got our guns. Sorry mm-hmm. for the southern accent. It's the first one I go to when I'm talking about guns. Um, but, yes, yeah, it's, it's supposed to be like, oh, yeah, America, we got our guns. And and nobody's going to stop us from having our guns, right? Which yeah, is cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Have your guns. But, like... <laughs> No one needs to mythologize history to show that Americans love guns. Like, no. I, it just comes down to like, I fail to see the purpose in this meme. I, I, I fail to see the purpose in lying. I fail to see the purpose in the existence of the meme. And it just, whenever I see it, it infuriates me. And I'm I know afraid. I can't, I can't go into the comment section and argue because. I'm afraid the comment section is where intelligent thought goes to die. I'm afraid to bring it up, but I feel that there may be a more dangerous aspect to this than... I mean, it's just a theory in my head. I'm not saying that anyone who posts this meme or created this meme had this in mind when they did it. But a more dangerous aspect of what this meme tries to produce is a justification for FDR's concentration camps for the Japanese Americans. I don't know if that's what it's getting at, like, but you it, see what it's I'm a saying, poten- though. Yeah, it's a potential side effect of the meme. Like I'm not trying to put that on anybody at all, but that side effect has to be acknowledged that it's there. Because it's yeah. this, it's fed from that same argument that caused the internment in the first place. Yeah. And the internment is something I also want to cover mm-hmm. later on because uh, the, the entire point of being taught that is like, yeah, and Japanese Americans were taken into internment camps and you know like 10 year old me is just like wait we were doing the same thing the nazis were doing yeah yeah and it's it's, it's almost like um our history classes don't tell us that a good amount of the american population was not opposed to anything that the nazis were doing yep it wasn't a war of morality as much as we try to pretend it is now no, it, it it wasn't. And viewing it that way is um, wearing your... Um, it's kind of like wearing nostalgia glasses to a degree. Oh, it's nationalism glasses. Yeah. But... Yeah, so with all of this, you can see why, like, don't believe history in every meme that comes your way. And remember that this history, especially surrounding wars like this, is taught through a lens of propaganda, regardless of where you're at. Absolutely. Um, like, Japan doesn't teach World War II the proper way it should be taught. So, And I'd argue neither does Germany. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but... <laughs> Everyone, like, when you teach history based on the identity of a country, you're going Mm -hmm. to run into some problematic bits. I'm genuinely curious, and I'd love it if 
in an email, which it'd be great to get at some point. Yeah, we still haven't gotten one of those. Someone could inform us of how this part of history is taught in Israel. We did have one Israeli listener at one point. I don't know if they're still active. They're at less than 1% of our listeners. Well, I'd love it if you were, and I'm very curious. Because, I mean, it's integral to the creation of Israel as the modern country. So I'm I'm really interested in finding out what kind of lens they teach it through. It would be interesting. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for today's topic, though. Yeah. Um. So we have a uh, one interesting development. Uh, I don't know how many people, uh, less than one percent of our listeners, so probably one. Yeah. Um. To our Turkish listener. Oh hi. Hello. I'm I'm sure you can't listen to this one now, but if you can, sweet. We made it through the censors. Well, I don't know how the Turkish government is as far as censorship. I I think they just uh, choose to cancel people who talk about um the topic of our last two episodes. Well, do you want to do you want me to get us kicked out of uh China permanently with one word? No. Because I can do it. No. Look, I can do it with the mention of one date, okay? One date? I'm, yes. A date I'm is not... multiple words, though. All I gotta say is the name of one country. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> We're, this isn't a speed run of getting our podcast canceled in China, Okay. Well, can I get it canceled in Turkey again? No. Look, I I just have one thing to say about it. Go ahead. I'll just blurt. I'll just bleep it out if it's bad. It's not bad. It's really not. We've discussed it before. We might have mentioned it in the episode. But the Hagia Sophia should still be a museum. I said it. (sighs) Okay. Yeah, that's that's nothing bleep worthy. No, I mean, I get it. Y'all converted it back into a mosque. Wasn't originally a mosque, but whatever. It's a piece of history. It should be a museum. Let's stop fighting over it. It ain't been a church in over a thousand years, I don't think. Is this the so- international version of Confederate monuments? You know, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So today on Cognitive History, we're going to be talking about um, classic Catholic buildings and property that were not Catholic for a long time, but then were again and now aren't again. Please, no. This is like the history of Israel. Oh, God. Hi, Israeli listener. So I'm not getting into the modern politics of it all. I just oh god, no! I, please, I'd like no. I'd like to be able to at some point in my life visit the Hagia Sophia. 
That's all I'm saying. I mean, you can still visit. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm Catholic. Are you banned from going into any other place of worship? I don't know. I'm new at this. Oh my god. <laughs> Besides, I don't know I don't know how the Turkish population feels about Catholics. It is I mean, vaguely theocratic. I don't know. There there's a lot I don't know about uh how Turkey operates. No, I don't either. I know they operate with no uh, response from the American government. Woo, woo. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm trolling people now. Yeah, I know. Let's stop that. Yeah. So. Yeah, we wanted to record two to get out today, but it's um coming it's up late. on. Yeah, it's coming up on like almost 10:30 for Logan, right? Yeah. So uh Logan, do you want to uh discuss what we're going to be discussing on our next episode? Yeah, sure. So next time on Cognitive History, I've always wanted to say that. Jesus. We're going to be briefly discussing one of the greatest general kings in history who was seen as a god for a good many centuries after his existence. Or seen as a demon, depending on who you ask. That's true, too. Either way, though, he's a revolutionary, and the important part is we're going to be talking about what Alexander the Great left behind. I, Particularly I'm gonna... the people he left behind. I'm going to put this out here right now. Mm. Every time we talk about him, I'm going to have a bit where I call him Alexander the something other than great. Like Alexander the kind of meh. I mean, he was only 32 when he died. Alexander the all right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Alexander the somewhat okay. <laughs> it's it's gonna it's gonna get real old real fast but i'm gonna keep doing it oh i'm sure the audience is gonna enjoy the break from me calling out the dutch stop mentioning calling out the dutch you're calling them out when you say that and you're insulting the history of the macedonian people hey hey he is called literally the opposite of Alexander the Great in Iran. Well, yeah, but they're Persian. The man... Persians and Greeks have never gotten along. The... The man desecrated a lot of Zoroastrian temples to the point that we don't have a lot of Zoroastrian uh, religious text. Yeah, that's true. It's weird yeah. he chose that one to desecrate like that. <laughs> I mean, he basically left Egyptian culture alone. Other than, you know, becoming Pharaoh and uh, all that. We'll get into it. Yeah, we'll, we will. Mm -hmm. And the Seleucids, especially. 
<sighs> so and Ptolemies, the Ptolemies, uh, no, our favorite that's... inbreeding Lannisters. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's either them or the Habsburgs. Oh God! No, you mean like every that. ruling family of Europe for like three hundred years? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Which which inbreeding royal family do you prefer, the Ptolemaic dynasty or the Habsburgs? Well, the Habsburgs didn't specifically marry brother and sister. No, but they still still did inbreed to the point where, like, yeah, we've all seen the one kid's chin. Yeah, and you know the. Royal family may be werewolves. We'll never know. We will never know. But so at any rate. Yep. Yeah. Enough that about is, Cleopatra being Greek. Yep. Uh, that is the calling point for today. And a good one at that. Yes. We We just can't let it sit at less than an hour. We can't. Not anymore. First episode <laughs> was fine. But after that, no. No, you got to listen to us babble. So, as always, uh, if you like the show, please share us with other people. I would like to have a more expansive audience. Send us email corrections if you want. That's cognitive history podcast at gmail.com. Please do correct us if we're wrong. Yes. We will I, before the next episode issue a correction if you find it. I am man enough to admit when I am wrong. And that's the whole point of this podcast. Provoke thought and research. Mm-hmm. And Give us a like on Facebook. I'm with us not really posting any new episodes recently. I've kind of been a bit sporadic with posting stuff on there. But it is the holiday season. That as well. But I do post there pretty regularly. And, and yeah, yeah hopefully we'll be back to a more regular schedule after christmas and everything yeah uh we should be getting our next episode out relatively soon definitely uh so yeah uh that is the episode i hope everyone has a good week and week whenever i get around to posting this you'll know have, when i do have a good one Bye, everybody.